Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of AdMail. This is Adam Bergman, founder and CEO of IRA Financial. I'm here to help you find the answers to the most frequently asked questions from my clients about self-directed retirement accounts. If you want to learn more, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on social media. Just search IRA Financial. Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of AdMail. I'm Adam Bergman, tax attorney and founder of IRA Financial. On today's show, got a three incredibly great questions from three super smart individuals. One involving the plan asset rules, another involving self-directed IRA investments, and a third talking about a self-directed investing in a startup. So really good broad-based questions today. And I'm super excited about today's show. So um, without further ado, let's get started. First question from Sammy R of Bend, Oregon. Sammy wants to know, I want to invest my IRA in a private equity fund, but will not allow me would allow will not allow my investment because of the plan asset rules. What is this? Well, um, don't be super surprised. The plan asset rules essentially are a set of rules that came into the um, ERISA code by the Department of Labor in 1986, and were there really to treat certain investments by IRAs, especially pension plans like 401ks, defined benefit plans, and basically trigger some type of look-through treatment to those investments in order to trigger what's called ERISA fiduciary and the IRS prohibited transaction rules. So essentially, the way these rules work is that if you invest in a like non-operating company, like an investment fund that doesn't satisfy either a real estate operating company exception or a venture capital operating company, i.e. like a hedge fund or private equity fund, and that fund... Um, invests and um, into let's say underlying investments. If the fund is owned greater than 25% by pension funds, including IRAs, 401ks, they trigger potentially the application of the ERISA fiduciary rules and also the IRS prohibited transactions, which means if you're an investment manager, you now have a much, much broader and heightened set of rules that you need to live by. Number one, fiduciary rules. These are non-joking non matter. You essentially have to take on a higher risk when you're providing investment services to the IRA or form of K. Even though they're, they're investing in your fund and your fund is doing different stuff, whether it's private equity, whether it's hedge fund, because there's more than 25% in this fund owned by pension plans, which is deemed a significant ownership, you have added fiduciary responsibilities and potentially even prohibited transaction rules on any fees you generate. So basically a lot of funds say, well, we either aren't going to take any pension plans, IRAs, or we're going to keep them under 25%, more like 20%. So we don't mess around with valuations and even getting close. Some funds will cap it at five or 10% because they don't want to risk triggering the prohibited transaction and especially the fiduciary rules. So for an individual IRA investor, the plan ask rules aren't significant really because every IRA investor is going to do the prohibited transaction analysis before doing the investment. But if you're investing in an investment fund that has say hundreds or not thousands of investors, um, that investment manager is generally not worried about prohibited transactions and plan ask rules. But 
if 25% or more of the fund is owned by pension plans, IRAs, they now have all these prudent fiduciary ERISA responsibilities and even IRS prohibitive transaction rules on any fees they potentially earn or any of their activities, which just you know adds more risk, layers of complexity. Um, and obviously, with there's more risk, uh, these managers don't want to take it. So that's why they cap a lot of funds under certainly under 25%. Some will have it at zero. Some may say, you know, I'll let a few funds in, a few, um, excuse me, a few pension plans or IRAs in, but once I get to like five or 10% of capping it. So Sammy, that's why they probably just said, uh, we already hit our max, our cap, and we're not taking any more IRA pension plan investors because we don't want to go near the plan asset rules, which will then trigger all these complex ERISA fiduciary rules and IRS ERISA prohibitive transaction rules, which can get me as the investment manager into uh, more hot water. And I'm just not into that. So uh, I don't need your money. I'll, I'll get the funds from non-pension plan investors. Second question is from Justin A. of Lowell, Mass. Justin wants to know, I want to use my self-directed IRA to invest in a business. My IRA will own 30% of. Can I take a salary from the business? So <laughs> this is a great question, Justin. I literally can do probably a 30 or 45-minute uh, podcast with a video on this. This is a great fact scenario, great fact pattern. I get this question 10 times a week um, in, in some fashion, under 50% and want to be involved uh, to the extent of earning a salary. Can I do it? So really there's two sets of analysis to um, accomplish before deciding. Number one, you need to be under 50% so you don't violate 4975C you know, 1A, B, or C. You're good. You're under 50%. The issue is D, E, and F. D and F are more the indirect prohibited transaction rules where the IRS could argue that you're using the um, assets of the uh, underlying business that's owned by the IRA, even indirectly and under 50% for your personal benefit. So this is really a facts and circumstances test. It, whether it's 15%, 30%, 40%, the issue is this, Justin, are you making the investment to 100% benefit the IRA or is even a 1% indirect cause of the investment is for you to earn a salary from this business? He said, no, 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 I'm going to earn a salary either way. I have a three-year contract. I'm going to make the same amount of salary whether I invest or not. I think those are good facts. I think you're probably okay. But in the end, if the company needs your money to pay you, probably not a good fact. And uh, the IRS could under 4975C1D or E or F argue some type of self-dealing or conflict of interest prohibited transactions. So you gotta be super careful of the intent, the facts and circumstances. And only you, Justin, know the facts and circumstances. I don't, um, you do. So this is what I always tell my clients. You need to make sure that you can prove if the IRS knocks on your door that you made this investment 100% to exclusively benefit the IRA. And there's really no indirect personal benefit you're deriving from the investment. So if you're going to earn the salary irrespective, if you were earning the salary before the investment, the investment has nothing to do with your salary. There's 30 more investors that would make this investment, but you want it to do it with your IRA because you think it's a good investment, but it won't 
indirectly or directly have any impact on you personally, then I think you're good. But otherwise, if those facts aren't um, as such, then you know you, you need to be uh, cautious. So you're good. You're under fifty percent. If you are over fifty percent, you know, prima facie on its face, you're done, right? It's a disqualified entity. You're under fifty percent on its face. The business is not disqualified, but you still have to run um, an analysis under the primitive transaction indirect rules, self-dealing and conflict of interest, because the IRS can still make the argument that it's it's prohibited because you're receiving some type of benefit by way of salary from the business your IRA owns. Now, since it's an operating company, there's no plan asset rules, but again, there's still a look through and the IRS could still try to attach the assets of the business um, to um, and, and the salary you earn to your IRA. So it's really the onus is on you, Justin, to prove that your salary has nothing to do with the IRA investment. Third and final question in today's episode is from April T of Carmel, Indiana. April wants to know, I plan on investing in a startup using a self-directed IRA. I believe the entity will be a corporation and I will be a passive investor. Good, good facts. What are some tax rules I should be aware of? So April, you should meet Justin. Justin, you should meet April. So number one, you got to be under 50%, right? Number two, April, just like I mentioned to Justin, you want to make sure that you're making the investment in the company. You said you're passive, which is great. So if you're not earning a salary and you're really not involved other than an investor, you probably don't have to run the same analysis Justin does because Justin's actually earning a salary from the business. So it's a little bit more active than you seem to be. You seem to be 100% passive. Hey, just like I'm buying Apple stock, I don't run Apple, I don't earn a salary from Apple. April, your investment into this startup seems super passive. So from a prohibited transaction standpoint, you should be okay. Um, even if you're over 50%, if you're not taking any salary, you're receiving no personal benefit, you have no family members involved, you have no direct or indirect connection to this entity, even if you own 50% April, you're probably good. The key is if you are over 50%, you obviously can't have any involvement in the entity because the entity is disqualified. Even if you're under 50%, as I mentioned to Justin, 4975C1DENF, the self-dealing conflict of interest prohibited transaction rules still could be used by the IRS, and they've done that. There's a case I, I you know talk a lot about called um, Rollins uh, v. Commissioner. Um, it's a tax court case. Mr. Rollins was a uh, accountant, and um, he owned a bunch of businesses, all under fifty percent. Okay, and in um, all instances, he was under fifty percent. He was passive. Just so you know, the the quotation is TC Memo two thousand four dash two sixty. Excuse me. Um, it's a it's a really important case. Um, because it really showcases um, what the IRS thinks uh, about the primitive transaction rules and how to use the um, indirect rules. So this guy, um, Rollins, is an um, accountant, as I mentioned, and he, um, the company's needed money, which is a pretty bad fact for him. So he took his 401k and lent money to the companies at prevailing interest rates. And even, um, even though he owned less than 50% and didn't earn a salary, the IRS still argued self-dealing prohibited transaction, and they won. Why? Because they said Rollins can prove 
that the investments did not in any way personally benefit it. They did because, but for that loan, those companies could have gone bust and he would have lost his personal investment. So even though he was under 50%, not an employee, a passive investor, he was on the board, but not an active employee, the IRS still ruled against him um, and, and ruled it was a prohibited transaction. I mean, the tax court ruled in favor of the IRS against Rollins, and he still was under 50% and not an employee. But again, he couldn't prove that he made the 401k slash IRA investment, the loan, to 100% exclusively benefit the retirement plan because <clears throat> indirectly he received the benefit as an, uh, an investor personally in that business. So it's a broad application of the uh, self-dealing prohibited transaction rules, but it's important because it shows <clears throat> why uh, what the IRS can do if they if they want to use the broad application of 4975 C1 uh, D, E, and F. So um, great, great question, April. Um, just like Justin, really appreciate it. And um, you know, good job, everyone. Uh, Sammy, Justin, April, three really great questions. Um, and you know, thanks to all of you for um, submitting questions. You can submit them right on YouTube, um, on our channel, IRA Financial. You can leave a comment on our podcast. You can send us an, an email at info at IRA Financial. Just say, um, Ask Adam or uh, AdMail, it'll get to me. And I'll, I will put your question in the queue. I have a lot of really, really great questions um, I'm excited to prepare for, for upcoming podcasts, but uh, keep them coming. This is fun. We get to learn from each other. It's totally an, uh, anonymous, so don't worry. I'm not going to mention your name, your phone number, your email um, this way. If you have the question, I promise you there's 100 people behind you that have the same question. So um, don't be shy. Send it in and uh, we'll have uh, some fun together um, going through and talking about it. And then if you have more comments, uh, leave them. Uh, I do my best to get through all the comments and, and we'll respond in a timely fashion. So otherwise, really appreciate you spending some time with me on uh, today's uh, show. Uh, really enjoyed it. This is a podcast that drops every Thursday. You can listen to it wherever you pick up your podcast or watch it on our YouTube channel at IRA Financial. Otherwise, have an amazing, amazing day and uh, talk to everyone again uh, next week.